Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFiera, and you are listening to a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they are, and we have a loaded episode for you today. Lots of things happened in the league today, and we will start with an update on the story that we talked about yesterday right at the top, and that is Yerman Mercedes the former first baseman for the Chicago White Sox that hit the home run against Williams Ostadio and created all sorts of anarchy in May. He gets sent down in June, all stemming basically from the mental effects of the absolute media firestorm that came from him hitting a random ass home run in the middle of the season. And he ended up announcing yesterday, last night at around 7 p.m. Eastern time, that he would be retiring. Then we get roughly 10 hours ago from now, so that will be around 4 o'clock today, 4.30. Another announcement from the official Yerman Mercedes account, rather than the post from yesterday with the black letters, that say it's over, or I'm sorry, black screen that says it's over, just white letters, we get a picture of a phoenix and the words, I will never give up. I lasted 10 years in the minor leagues. I will always understand the process is great, but the talent and what I have showed speaks for 
itself only the greatest humility. I'm speaking from the heart. My dream is to be a player established in the big leagues. I've always asked God to give me the opportunity that he gave me three months ago. I owe my family, my organization, and my fans an apology. New mind if I miss something. I've carried, I've failed. I carry baseball in my blood. Now I'm missing Yerm and Mercedes. Thank my God for guiding me the right way and taking the right decision. All that is going through my situation, hold on the hand of God that he can everything and forget the criticism and bad comments that will always exist to run over the personality of yourself. God bless y'all. I love everybody. I'm back. That, of course, is the translation of his comment or caption to his post on Instagram, so it wasn't the cleanest thing there, but I mean, we certainly get the point across. This man is clearly not giving up on his baseball dreams. He is making one of the quickest come coming out of retirements we have seen since Domingo Herman last year, and hopefully he's able to come up to the big leagues very, very soon, and we get to see the redemption from all that actually play out while we're still in memory of it. Next up, we have the big trade of the day as the trade deadline starts to really cook up here. We have our first big piece move, and that's going to, of all people, the Tampa Bay Rays acquiring Nelson Cruz. That's right. They're not sending out large contracts. They're acquiring a semi-large contract of D.H. Nelson Cruz, one of the best power hitters in the league. He will be sent to Tampa Bay for two pro- two pitching prospects, both in the upper minors. I think this deal goes very well for both sides. I mean, Minnesota is not in any place to compete right now. All of their top talent is really not going to be usable once they are in a good place to compete. But if they can go out and get quality guys that are going to be able to come up sooner rather than later, like these two pitchers that they got from Tampa, that is a huge help. And then you look at Nelson Cruz, who we're going to get to see in a very, very competitive team. And who doesn't want to see one of the best sluggers in the league on one of the best teams? This is a guy who is up in the top 95% of average exit velocity, hard hit balls up in the nineties in terms of his expected stats across the board, whether it's Woba, whether it's batting average, whether it's slugging, you couldn't ask for a better hitter right now. And at 41, it continues to translate into the standard statistics at the rate he is going. He should get close to his standard mark of around 37 or more home runs that he has surpassed every single year since 2014. What's not to love about this guy and what's not to love about the veteran presence that he brings to your team. Tampa here. I think the biggest question mark of this is where do you play everybody with, with Nelson Cruz? Of course, Brandon Lau has been taking the lion's share of your DH reps throughout this season as you have just more middle infielders than you know what to do with. So by taking Brandon Lau out of that position in the lineup, or I'm sorry, position on the field, you then 
have to find him somewhere else. You're certainly not taking him out. He's been one of your best hitters this year, a 791 OPS with 21 homers. You're not giving up that. And you're certainly not, not having Nelson Cruz in there of all the guys to leave off. What this is going to end up looking like is you're probably going to see a little less of Taylor Walls, maybe a little less of Joey Wendell. But when all is said and all is done, this is going to be the best move possible for the team. Because even if you are losing reps for a young guy like Walls, you're going to be gaining Nelson Cruz's outlook on hitting for all of these guys, whether it's Wander Franco, more so I'm thinking about Randy Arena. This is a guy who we've seen rake 13 home runs this year, 11 stolen bases, and he's still definitely on the upswing. I mean, this is a, this is still a rookie that we're looking at and thinking so highly of in Randy Arena. If he can learn just a little bit from Nelson Cruz at 26, that could go a long way in towards towards him developing into a really, really good player here in Tampa for the next couple of years. It could really help them move another step closer to getting back to that World Series and possibly winning it. But that's about all I have to say on the Nelson Cruz trade. Overall, pretty fair deal. And I hope all the best to him as much as I can. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's painful. I don't want to root for somebody in division, but I'll never be able to completely not root for that guy. Such a great clubhouse guy. So funny. Such a good player. All the best to him. Let's go ahead and jump into another AL East matchup. The greatest rivalry in sports. Red Sox-Yankees is coming up next. And scoring starts in the top of the fourth with a Glaber Torres RBI ground out. This is tied up in the bottom of the seventh as Kike Hernandez hits a sack fly. And we will go into the top of the eighth with Adam Adovino, the former Yankee, out there. And things do not look so good. He lets Giancarlo Stanton hit an RBI single and then Glaber Torres to get another sack fly to score Brett Gardner. This is now a 3-1 game going into the final inning of play. Bottom of the ninth with runners on base. Kike Hernandez gets a sharp line drive into the left center gap, gets to the wall, and it scores both Alex Verdugo and Jaron Duran here to tie the game up at three and send us into extras. Brett Gardner as the man for the runner is able to get that scored in the man for runner will be Tyler Wade in this situation. It becomes four, three going into the bottom of the 10th. The Yankees decide to go with Brooks Krisky here. And boy, was this a wild, wild stretch for the Yankees. They end up of course, with Raphael Devers on second Xander Bogarts to start the inning and Krisky manages to throw four wild pitches in this inning, including the one that scores Devers and enough to get Bogarts, who walks all the way around to third base. He strikes out J.D. Martinez before on the first pitch, Hunter Renfro is able to hit a sacrifice fly out to deep right field. It scores the walk-off 
and the Red Sox win this one five to four. Give the win to Matt Barnes out of the bullpen. He's now five and two on the year. Prospect Tanner Houck made his third start of the season. He pitched four and two thirds of an inning, allowing two hits and one unearned run with eight strikeouts before the rain delay pretty much made it inevitable that he could not finish that inning. The loss will go to Brooks Kriske, who got the win last night. He gets his first loss of his career tonight, pitching the last two-thirds of an inning, allowing two runs, only one of them earned with one strikeout. Jordan Montgomery did get the start here, though. He goes five and two-thirds, allowing three hits, none earned, and six strikeouts. Before I get into any thoughts on this game, I will also mention something else that happened that was completely wild for this Yankees organization in just an absolutely anarchaic day. And we are going to be going down to the Dominican Summer League, the DSL, to a matchup between the DSL Mariners and the DSL Yankees 2. And boy, was this a show. 43 runs on 28 hits with 31 walks, six hit batsmen, eight wild pitches, two balks, and 14 errors as Seattle takes down New York 22-21. to This might be the messiest, worst-played game of baseball you're going to see in a box score. The biggest indictment of it all is the left-on-base numbers for both teams and really defining number of the game. Seattle ends up with 10 runners left on base while the Yankees have 17. Either way, these are gross numbers for two teams to be picking up. The 31 walks is unreal. I'm still having trouble processing it. Just a a shocking, a shocking display of inadequacy from these, um, these prospects. Ended up, yeah, 19 walks for Seattle, 12 walks for New York in this one. Back to New York. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not a major league manager. However, I'd like to think I know somewhat what I'm talking about here. And I do have to say, sometimes you have to break your policy, especially when when it's games like this that really, really matter. This is a Yankees team that had an opportunity to be six games back with more games to play right before the deadline. And they're against their most hated rival, one of the biggest rivalries in sports. This is a must-win game, even when there is no stakes on the line. And right now, you're trying to chase them for the division. So these are must-win games, and you're telling me that Araldus Chapman and Zach Britton are completely unavailable in one of the biggest games of the year just because they'd pitched the last two days before. Like, I get it that both the arm health and the quality of the innings decreases, and it's probably not the best idea to use a guy three days in a row, but sometimes you just have to bite the bullet because your best guy on his worst day is very often much better than what you have left. You cannot tell me, even with all the struggles that Aurelius Chapman has had, 
you cannot tell me that he would not be better on his third day without rest than Brooks Kriske looked tonight. This was one of the most abysmal self-destructions I have ever seen. I do have a statement from Brandon to read after this. He ended up going to this game, which is why he is not here tonight. And he was certainly not happy with him. He wasn't even happy with him being on the roster. I just think this, this further reflects the rigidness that the Yankees have operated with since the Boone baby bombers era ever began. It's always been very, a lot of these rigid rules and policies, which for which they play the game and you got to be able to flow, go with the flow in big moments in moments where things aren't really going right. Cause I mean, you're listening, you're missing so many people from this bullpen because of the COVID outbreak that you got kind of have to make do with what you've got and making do what, with what you've got isn't just follow the same plan you normally would, but with different players, with worse players. I don't see how that's ever the right strategy, but again, they're either going to do it or they're not. I mean, Eight games out, I don't have this, the full standings up, so I'm not sure how many that's out of the wild card game right now. I want to say four and, the half, four and a half for some reason. But all the same, this is a fairly decent hole with a lot of other teams that are kind of getting hot right now. If they don't step on the gas and show that they want to win these big games every single time out soon, they are not going to have a lot of options left. Next up, we will have the Giants and the Dodgers as they face off in the series finale. The San Francisco leading the division will try to come into this game holding a one-game lead. A loss ties it up. A win gives them that nice two-game cushion going into August. Here's how it went. In the top of the first, Mikey Yastrzemski, Sir Mikey Yaz hits the sack fly to drive in the first run of the game. It's tied up in the bottom of the inning when Justin Turner hits an RBI single. Bottom of the fourth, and Will Smith hits a two-run piece that puts LA up 3-1. to one. This score will hold until the top of the ninth, where Kenley Jansen, the guy who has been their star closer for many years, had just been booed off the mound when he blew the save the night before. And he comes in here with a pretty comfortable two-run lead, ends up getting a run driven in off of a Tyro Estrada single. And then from there, we've got bases loaded with one out, I believe, maybe two outs, two outs. And... Darren Ruff at the plate. It's a 3-2 count, and he throws a ball that ends up being a, a ball, but a swinging strike that is appealed and called safe. Darren Ruff walks. This drives in the game-tying run, and then Lamont Way later singles to add two more to this as the Giants win this game 5-3. to three. Give the win to Alvarez out of the Giants' bullpen. Anthony Desclafani starts this one. 
six innings, six hits, three earned, seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Kenley Jansen, two-thirds of an inning, four hits, four earned, two walks, two strikeouts, and 33 pitches. That, if I'm correct, is the most pitches he has thrown since mid-2018. Of course, having all of the major health issues in 2019 and still coming back from that in 2020, it was not the best opportunity to push him that hard. He unfortunately is not able to get out of this game and get through that final inning. But look, that call... The call was not good. That was probably the worst check swing call that I've seen this year. However, he didn't really deserve to keep that game. He didn't deserve to save that game with how terribly he pitched going up to that. You're in a situation where he has thrown 25 pitches to get two outs. He's allowed four hits in this inning alone. And it's just, it wasn't going well in the last couple of nights haven't gone well, but I'm kind of sick of hearing these Dodgers fans complain and moan and act like they don't want Kenley Jansen around here anymore after all the times that he has battled back and proven that he is as good, if not better than ever. For starters, I don't get how you can get as mad as people got there last night about a guy who with last night's blown save had a two or under a 215 ERA for the season 21 saves on the year additionally to that you go and you look at how great he has been over the years especially before his health scares in late 2018 2019 2020 area i mean granted those years he was all over a three era that isn't great but you know what he did do he came up big when the team needed him and he ended up i mean he he largely won a world series for this team you you look at the rest of his production here uh six seven era in his first season in the league 27 innings granted not not really closing there but even just as he starts to settle into the closer role, he's consistently been a sub 250 reliever, which is very, very, very good over the first several seasons of his career. Ends up nearly getting a Cy Young in 2017. You know, you have to have some faith in this guy, especially when you consider it's July and you're pretty clearly going to make the playoffs. This isn't life or death. There's a lot of there's a lot more time and situations for you to capitalize on the Giants' struggles throughout the rest of these next two months of the season. Let's let's not try to burn down this enti- this man's entire legacy over one series that didn't go your way. Again, I know you're th- three games back. I understand the frustration, but there is a lot of time when you're that close and that comfortably into a playoff situation so let him figure himself out you know that Dave Roberts is going to give him that opportunity and just let him fix himself 
Anyways, we shall now move on with our recaps here, starting with Detroit and Texas from earlier today. This game's scoring starts with a three-run piece by Eric Haas, another one of these very hot players for Detroit so far this year. 3-0 Detroit. Victor Reyes then hits a sack fly in the bottom of the second to extend this to a 4-0 lead. After Andy and Ibanez RBI single in the fourth, Zach Short goes long, and then Victor Reyes hits his second home run of the season, his second RBI of the game. And just like that, it's a 6-1 lead. Texas does try to come back in the late innings here. However, this will fall short as the Tigers win another game here, 7-5. Give the win to Funkhauser out of the Detroit bullpen as they largely went to the bullpen. Their starter only going three and two-thirds of an inning. He pitched two innings in this game, allowing one hit, one earned run, and one strikeout. The loss will be given to Mike Fultonevich. Four innings, five hits, six runs, but only five earned with four strikeouts. The save will be given to Gregory Soto, his 11th of the year, and we needed to stop and give a little praise here to what this Tigers team has done so so far in the past month and a half. I believe they are the best record in baseball since June 20th or something like that I saw earlier today, and I totally buy it because they've been able to not only have their top pitching talent, these guys like Matt Manning, Akil Badu, Casey Mize, they're all starting to pan out and starting to look like really, really strong pitchers for this franchise. Not only do you have that, but you have a darn good manager here who is finding ways to manufacture runs, manufacture offense out of a group that, we can pretty much all agree isn't that good. So really props to what they have done here. They've got a lot of momentum going and it's only going to incentivize the front office and the ownership even more to start getting this team ready to contend within the next two years. If this team wasn't in playoff conversation two years from now, I would genuinely be shocked. I could easily see these these guys slipping in next year. If things go well, this has been a excellent back end to a rebuild that you, you couldn't have transitioned in any better way. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with what I've seen about by Detroit recently. Next up will be the Braves and the Phillies. This one is all Braves early. Freddie Freeman hits an RBI single in the first followed by a grand slam, a grand salami for Dansby Swanson in the top of the third. An Orlando Arcia home run in the fourth makes this a 6-0 Atlanta lead. Adubel Herrera and Gene Segura do drive in runs in the seventh, making it a 6-2 ball game, but an extra walk with the bases loaded late helps the Braves to a 7-2 win. Give the win to Charlie Morton. Six innings, four hits, two earned with eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Matt Moore. Six innings, six hits, six earned runs. Um, certainly a pretty scary line there. Six, six, six. 
Next up, we will go over to the team that just had the big scoop here, the Tampa Bay Rays. They add Nelson Cruz earlier in the day, and let's see if they can add a win in the evening. Framula Reyes goes yard to start this one in the bottom of the third, 3-0 Cleveland. Kevin Kiermeyer moves this to a three, a two-run game, 3-1 on a sacrifice fly before Austin Hedges is able to re-extend this to a 3-0 game. From here, it is all Tampa, starting in the seventh with a Taylor Walls RBI. In the top of the ninth, Yandy Diaz goes yard, and then Brandon Lau doubles to score Brent Phillips and make this a 4-4 ball game going into extras. Austin Meadows is able to score the Manfred runner. Cleveland is, fails to do so as they lose to the Rays 5-4. to four. Give the win to Pete Fairbanks. He pitches the ninth inning of this one. Is this Luis? Yes, Luis Patino starts this one five and a third, allowing five hits, four earned, and four strikeouts. The loss will be given to Brian Shaw. He pitches that final inning for Cleveland. James Karinchak also gets the blown save, his third of the year, for giving things up in the ninth. Cal Quantrill pitches this one as the starter. Six innings, four hits, one earned with two strikeouts for Cleveland. Next up, a pretty low-scoring game between the Padres and the Marlins. A challenged play in the top of the second bears the first run for the San Diego Padres. Jerickson Profar then drives another one in with a line drive to center field in the top of the fourth. 2-0 San Diego before Manny Machado drives one more in. Joe Panic and Starling Marte both drive in runs in the seventh. However, the Marlins are unable to complete the comeback, winning 3-2. Give the win to Blake Snell. Great, Great start here. Six innings, three hits, one earned with eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Holloway, the follower from Miami. Three and two thirds, three hits three runs the save will be given to mark melanson number 29 on the year and this season is still pretty young got plenty of time left on the books to add to that total moving into another national league game here the cardinals and the cubs comes out to the same score as the last one dylan carlson and nolan arenado both go yard early Jake Marisnik does hit a two RBI double for Chicago. However, they're unable to make it all the way back, losing at a score of three to two. Give the win to Kwang Hyung Kim. Six innings, two hits, two earned with seven strikeouts. His ERA on the season is now a 2.88 after some struggles early. The loss will be given to Albert Alzale. Six innings, four hits, three earned, eight strikeouts. And the save will be given to Alex Reyes, number 23 on the year for him. Now over to Nelson Cruz's former team, the Twins, as they take on the Angels. The Twins get ahead early with a Williams-Ostadio double and a Gilberto Celestino RBI in the bottom of the fourth. It's 2-0 Minnesota. In the top of the fifth, Jack Mayfield goes yard, his second home run of the year, 
it gives the Angels the lead three to two, and that's the score they win by. Give the win to Andrew Heaney, seven innings, four hits, two earned with seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Kenta Maeda, seven innings, seven hits, three earned with six strikeouts, and the save will go to Rafael Iglesias, number 20 on the year for him. Our final game of the night, before we talk over one quick trade scenario, as well as one thing I forgot to mention earlier, and that will be the last game, Oakland versus the Mariners, Seattle. Top of the fifth scoring starts with a Raymond Laureano RBI single. Sean Murphy also adds another to make this a 2-0 lead before Seattle can get a run across the board. Seattle's run will come by way of Tom Murphy, his eighth homer of the year, year, and it makes this 2-1. The Athletics will end up adding two more in the top of the eighth with a Raymond Laureano RBI single and a Matt Olson sack fly. They win this one 4-1. Give the win to Sean Manaya. Seven innings, three hits, one earned with 13 strikeouts. The loss will be given to Chris Flexen. Five and a third, six hits, two earned with one strikeout. The save will be given to Lou Trevino, number 16 on the year for him. It should now, that update I wanted to give you, it is not something I have much news on to tell you. We can certainly talk about it tomorrow. I can say that we will be having our first ever extra content pod an additional podcast for your listening pleasure that will be in addition to our daily update podcast. So another half hour to 45 minutes, if you want, we'll be talking about some trade deadline stuff with belly up sports, blue Jays beat writer, Graham Wallace. And it should be a fun time. We can certainly talk about this more then, but I guess there was some form of, altercation between Starlin Marte and a teammate in Miami in the past several days. It has been handled internally. However, this is not the type of story that you want getting out if you're Miami and you're trying to move on from him right now. We already know that he has not accepted the sweetheart deal that Miami offered him. It was somewhere around three years, $30 million, if I remember correctly. He didn't offer it or he didn't accept it. He deserves much more than that. I can't blame either side for what they did there, but you don't want that type of stuff being said about a player as you're trying to move him. It's time of our, for our trade scenario of the day. Today, let us tackle these new sounds around Whit Merrifield and the fact that the Royals are now reportedly more open to trading Whit Merrifield than in the past. Of course, this comes from the past couple of years where he has been basically untouchable as far as Kansas City is concerned. They re-signed him to an extension a couple of years back, but now we're in a scenario where Whit Merrifield is certainly at least at minimum at value for his contract i actually don't have his numbers pulled up but i would argue is more valuable than his four million dollars a year 
at this point in his career, everything he brings as an outfielder, as defensive, defensively, offensively, certainly at his best, he is better than the $4 million contract extension that he took. So with that being said, they're now near the end of that. They'd have to repay him. They also don't have a lot going on in Kansas City right now. They could use the prospects from a trade like that if they got the right deal. So I started to think, while this trade is not likely this year by any means, who could potentially be an interesting option to take on a guy like Whit Merrifield? The spot that I came up with pretty clearly was the Chicago White Sox. Look, if the Chicago White Sox want to clear up, solidify this lineup that they've got, this lineup that is already very, very good. They don't have to do anything to this group to make it a World Series contender. However, if they do, if they wanted to, Whit Merrifield certainly would be a plus right now, especially with them not having Nick Madrigal for the rest of this season. He ends up getting hurt. You've got Lurie Garcia in there right now. Not necessarily a scrub. He's certainly not a quadruple A player or anything, but you would certainly rather have a guy like Whit Merrifield if you had the option than you would Lurie Garcia. The only minus for this or negative about this trade that I can find is the extra years of contract time. You're, of course, expecting Nick Madrigal back next year at some point here. So you don't have a long-term need for Whit Merrifield, particularly at age 32. He has another two years left on his contract, including being owed $2.75 million next year, which is very generous, and then six point five million on a team option the year after. But if you really think you have an opportunity to win this if you're Chicago, why on earth wouldn't you make this deal? Why on earth wouldn't you play for the now rather than worrying about what's happening later? A guy like Whit Merrifield's always going to have some form of market. He has been a solid, he has been a pl- certainly a plus um, addition to any team he's been on with the Royals for his entire career. You don't get a ton of those guys at second base. He could certainly be an asset that they could move in the offseason if they had to, if they wanted to try to find somewhere else a better fit for him, a better prospect fit for them long-term, as they don't necessarily need two starting second basemen on this roster, even if he could play a little outfield, even if they could find a spot for him there, which is even less likely Overall, I don't hate this trade. I don't love it either. There just doesn't seem to be a clear fit for a long-term second baseman right now on a team that would be willing to pay for Whit Merrifield. That's that's more why I don't think it's going to be done than the Royals trying to find the absolute perfect deal. That will wrap up MLB Daily for today. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media including Twitter and TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. We're getting lots of content up there. We've got our contest still going on Twitter, of course. Other than that, make sure you check out 
not tomorrow, but or not not Saturday, but yes, yeah, Saturday. My bad. Yeah, on Saturday, not tomorrow, but Saturday, we will have MLB Daily extra content, the DLC to the video game you didn't even like in the first place. We're gonna have Graham Wallace on to talk a little trade deadline, maybe a little Blue Jays as well. We will see where the day takes us. But until then, Sam and Yano. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.